Welcome to the Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series. Today, we have the opportunity to visit with Xie Bastida. Hey, Xie. Hi. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank Great. You. So excited to have this conversation with you and to share with our audience all of the amazing work you're doing, organizing really all over the place. Xie Bastida is a 17-year-old climate activist living in New York City. In 2018, she became the leader of her school's environmental club, where she mobilized 600 students in the first global climate strike. Since then, she has taken a citywide leadership role in organizing climate strikes and speaking out about climate justice issues in rallies. Bastida was born and raised in Mexico as part of the Atomi Toltec indigenous peoples. Currently, she is one of the lead organizers of Fridays for Future and sits in the Administration Committee of People's Climate Movement. Recently, she launched a youth activism training program to expand the climate justice movement. Xie is a member of Sunrise Movement, Extinction Rebellion, and in 2018, she was invited to the 9th United Nations World Urban Forum to speak about indigenous cosmology. Notably, she received the Spirit of the United Nations Award in 2018. Shea, it's so wonderful to have this opportunity to speak with you. Obviously, you and I have met, we've been together yeah. for a few days at the American Renewable Energy Day conference in Snowmass, Colorado. It's been an incredible gathering of folks. And uh, I am, I'm so excited to be able to share the story of what you're doing, and most importantly, what our audience can do to get involved, yes. regardless of where you're located. And to dive right in, could you just share what's happening, what's coming up, and what can we be uh, engaging in? Yeah, so right now the youth movement, the climate strike movement, has really taken off. And it's been a real catalyst for the future action that it's needed for, uh, to address the climate crisis. And right now we are organizing the September 20th climate strike. And this is a different kind of strike because it's intergenerational. The past strikes that we've had had been youth-led. On March 15, we got 1.6 million students marching with us worldwide. On May 24th, we got 1.9 million students worldwide. And for September 20th, we're calling for adults to join us because to solve the climate crisis, we need this movement to be collaborative. We, as youth, we cannot vote yet. Uh, so that's why we're relying on, our, on adults who can vote and represent the voice that we need to protect our future. And what we're doing is a lot of organizing, a lot of planning, a lot of outreach, and really getting the word out on why it's so important for us to address this issue right now. Because what we do in this next 10.5 years is really gonna define the next 10,000 years. Yeah, so this is this really underscores the the sense of urgency that we really we need to have around these issues, right? Yes. And and I heard you earlier talk about the importance of our languaging around this and that the term climate change is really actually not an appropriate term anymore. Yes. So up to recently we've been using the term climate change to define what's happening in this world. But that term cannot encompass the catastrophe we're living in. We need to use terms of, as uh, climate crisis, climate breakdown, climate emergency. Since the strike started, there's been over 600 governments who declared a climate emergency. 
and up uh, for September 20th, which is gonna be predating this uh, September 23rd uh, climate summit in the UN, we're asking all governments to declare climate emergency. Um, and that is, uh, that is what we're bringing to the table, this sense of urgency. If we don't do something in really the next 18 months politically, we cannot ensure uh, a livable future. In 10 years, I'm going to be 27, and I should be worrying about what I'm going to do after university and where I'm going to work, not where I have to live. Yeah, that's right. So I'm, I'm so struck. Um, as, as we discussed, Shia, you are the same age as my son, Hunter, and he is also increasingly engaging in the ecological and environmental issues that, that face us. And I'm just, I'm so struck that you are putting so much of your time and energy into all of this. While also in a few weeks, you'll be back in high school. It's your senior year. You'll be applying to colleges. You'll be doing many of those things. Uh, my gosh, to take on this level of, of responsibility and really a sense of ownership around the imperative to impact the future. Where does, where does that come from? What, what is it that, that planted that seed in yeah. you? So I am Otomi uh, from Mexico, it's an indigenous community and the indigenous philosophy is that we take care of the earth because the earth takes care of us. So we need to bring that sense of reciprocity into the movement and we need to remember that we are on earth to take care of life, not to take over life. And something that really shifted my world around was that in 2015 my town suffered from flooding. And from then, we, ha we moved to New York City, and that is when I realized that the climate crisis follows you everywhere. There's no way to escape it because it's really affecting all of us. And it's the only issue that is affecting everyone everywhere, and the only thing we can do is face it so that it doesn't affect more, some people more than others because that's the justice part of it that we're bringing to the table. Absolutely. So this, this event, September 20th, um, it sounds like this is going to be taking place in cities all over. Is that is that correct? Yes. So there's, it's going to take place in over 130 countries, and there's over 6,000 people who have pledged to organize for September 20th. And in the United States alone, we have strikes in over 100 places. And if you visit strikewithus.org and you put your zip code in, you'll be directed to your nearest strike. If there is not a strike. Um, in a location that is comfortable for you, you can organize your own strike. And we have toolkits and resources for you to get permits and uh, press and outreach. And we just really want this movement to expand all over the world, nationally, locally. And, and you shared also earlier that uh, the strike on the 20th of September, that's not the, the, the final show, is it? It's not the last yes. hurrah by any stretch, is it? So we really want to emphasize that September 20th is not a goal, it's just a catalyst for future action and the engagement of humanity in the protection of Earth is a catalyst for the culmination of thousands of climate activists that won't stop fighting on the, until the climate crisis is reversed. Absolutely, it's so important. So I have a question that I, I know a lot of our audience is going to relate to in, in different ways. 
And in other episodes, we've talked about the cultivation of health and well-being and maintaining balance in our own lives while we're also increasingly engaging in these incredibly important issues. And so what are some of the practices and the methods you're using to maintain that balance as you're putting so much of your energy into this mobilizing work while also uh, working as a student and maintaining friendships and all that? What's your key for balance? So it's very important to keep your friendships flowing and your relationship with your family alive. And also it's very important to go back and be in contact with earth and mother nature because that's when you remember what you're protecting. If you are in an office or studying for tests for hours, then you you get disconnected from what we need to be uh, in, in contact with. Uh, So one of the main things is really be in contact with nature, open, uh, maintain your relationships open, Um, you know, really ground yourself spiritually and keep this momentum going because, and really bring it to everything you do. I believe that the climate crisis affects every aspect of our lives. So when I'm in school, my college essay is about the climate crisis. My research project in chemistry is about how um, a warming weather actually affects the oxygen in water. Mm -hmm. So I'm aware of this every day and my main purpose is to really communicate to others what's going on. And my passion is to help people and I believe that the climate crisis is affecting the most people. Absolutely. And I want to come back to that point in just a moment, but I can't help but share that uh, a little bit older than you, as I mentioned, you're the same age as my son. I've been practicing and, and really attempting deliberately to deepen my own balance practice. And what I have found as a writer, as an activist, as somebody very engaged in recording episodes like this and so forth, is that if I'm not deliberately going out and connecting with the woods and physically connecting with the soil, my cognitive performance declines, my energy declines, my mood and attitude actually uh, d- gets negative. Yeah. And sometimes I realize, holy smokes, I have so much work to do right now. The thing I have to do is unplug and go connect with nature. Yes. And the, one of the most important things as an activist is to really take care of yourself yeah. and eat. Don't forget to eat, Mm. don't forget to sleep. And these are things that people who are in the movement don't tell you because we're so busy talking about solutions and actions. But in order to keep on going and in order to maintain uh, the strength that we need, we really need to take care of each other. It's so beautiful and I, I really love that opportunity we have as individuals to understand, to embrace and to practice the truth that stewardship, regeneration, sustainability really is an inside-out gesture. And it starts with how we're caring for ourselves yeah. and our immediate relationships. It's, it's such a beautiful piece of wisdom for each of us to carry. Okay, so I have to ask, um, you mentioned chemistry. What, what are you thinking about in terms of what you want to study and uh, where, where you think you'll be heading yeah. on, the, on the personal path? So I wanted to study um, biochemistry a while ago. But now I realize that we, as students, we are messengers of the existing science. And the climate crisis has been solved. We just need to implement those solutions. So now I'm going into environmental studies, international relations, and political science. 
because I believe that now we just need to bring all this all of this together and really keep communicating it to people and really realize that this is a global issue that requires global solutions. Absolutely. You know, this is something so many of us in the Why on Earth community are, are really familiar with that by and large, we are not facing mere technical challenges. In fact, we have a lot of the solutions, as you say, in that ultimately this is a question of culture. And this is a question of what we're mobilizing as a society and why, right? Yeah. The fundamental why, which is why we call it why, why on earth, earth, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, we need to change this culture of consumerism, of complacency. In, and in order to change that culture, we need to change the narrative. Yeah. And in order to change the narrative, we need to communicate personal stories of people who are going through hard times in real time. So we, we are we are really into this movement. We're really bringing um, forward personal stories and personal solutions to make it personal because the environment is personal. Absolutely. And on that note, uh, with your personal story, you and your team recently put together a beautiful video that we'll be sharing on our whyonearth.org blog page where you'll see a handful of other videos from some of our other ambassadors. And Shie, to make it official, I'm so happy to welcome you as our newest ambassador to the Why on Earth community. And it's a real honor to be able to share your story and what you're doing with our network. And the fundamental hope and imperative here, folks, is that each of us is mobilizing around these efforts. And I want to say, in addition to engaging with the protest movement in your area on September 20th, also, please consider supporting financially the work that Shia is doing. And if folks want to support financially, how do they connect with you to do that? Uh, the best way to connect is to go to our website, Start yep. With Us. Yep. And we have a coalition of seven youth groups, including Extinction Rebellion Youth, Sunrise Movement, Future Coalition, Fridays for Future, U.S. Youth Climate Strike, Earth Guardians, and Earth Uprising. Any of these organizations take money and right now we're putting together um, a fund in where we can all, uh, where we can direct all of our donors and we can take money accordingly. Oh, beautiful. Okay, so it's kind of like a central shared yes. uh, fundraising resource that yes. you guys are then allocating out of depending on what's happening. Yes. Okay, exactly. that's really, really beautiful to know you're doing that. Um, well, I have to say we've got uh, off camera, we've got mom, your mom is here with us, Geraldine. And as, as a parent, I just, my, my heart is just glowing uh, knowing that she is doing this incredible work and that she and other students like her are the force that is creating the future we want for our kids and our grandkids. And, and Geraldine, I was hoping you might come join us on camera here and, and just share a little with us for, for you as, as mom. How does, how does this feel that this is all happening? Well, for me, it's a continuation of, of, you know, the energy that dad and mom have been channeling for a long time. Um, we were also activists that were mobilizing Mindahi in Mexico um, and myself in the south of Chile. We were trying to make people understand that we didn't need to dam the most sacred river of the Mapuche peoples in seven 
places mm. uh, that that energy was really not necessary if we were all conscious of how we were consuming the electricity in our homes and in the industry and um, that required a lot of uh, frontline you know presence mm. together with our Mapuche sisters and brothers but also um, also being you know there in city halls or the equivalent in, in Chile yeah. and I'm calling for press conferences for a long time um, and uh, ever since we've been when I moved to Mexico I, you know we came together with your father um, we also um, continued in this path um, through keeping um, a space in the newspaper mm. nationally where mm. we would especially your father would be writing for this newspaper um, we became professors at universities so we've mm. always been channeling a philosophy that is about the caring of our life yeah. which is what we um, have inherited to you and um, I think that you're doing it in such a balanced way you know communicating so we feel really proud of you and and uh, we are here to support you in every level. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. And and what uh, as a professor, what do you teach? So it's ethnoecology. Ethnoecology, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and so maybe for some of our audience who might not yes, be familiar with so that ethno, term. Ethno speaks about um, indigenous peoples, right? Mm -hmm. And so e ethnoecology is the interdiscipline. It's a combination of disciplines where you are able to understand together with an indigenous community how is it that their cosmovision uh, and their value system and their um, laws of origin and their original um, stories mm. or creation stories drive how they interact with Mother Earth, how they understand and build knowledge around um, Mother Earth and her cycles mm -hmm. and how it will determine what they do when they do it throughout the year cycle and how they will be reading the signs that nature gives them mm. so to do this or that or to plant this or that so um, it's been beautiful you know it's it's allowed me to understand also the original calendars of Mesoamerica meaning yeah. the Maya calendar the yeah. Otomi Tolta calendars of your dad's people's and also the Mexica Aztec calendar system. Right. Some of the most sophisticated in the world. Yes, right. yes, yes. Yeah, they are, and it's fascinating. Yeah. It's absolutely wonderful. It, it, the mention of cycles um, reminds me, last night there, there was some discussion around the, the predominant Judeo-Christian and Abrahamic uh, creation stories and, and stories and mythologies around uh, time as it continues in this linear yeah, notion right. versus an understanding that yeah. is cyclical which all of us regardless of where we come from on the planet we are all of indigenous heritage right. and all of our peoples if we go far enough back in time had a cyclical understanding of the reality that's how things work here with the moon the solar that's cycles right. the seasonal cycles the water cycles etc that's right and I, I I'm so I'm so struck I love first of all I have to share that my personal attunement to lunar cycles, to solar cycles, to seasonal cycles actually makes me 
happier and more balanced as an individual. Yes. I know that from experience. Yes. And I'm curious, from your perspective, with a different cultural yeah. contexts, what do you think the, the, this means in terms of what we're doing yeah. as a global society? So right now we are on a lot of linear cycles, not yeah. only in terms of time, but also in terms of uh, money and production. the economy. Yeah. So what we are, we, what we want is more production, more money, more growth, and mm. incontrollable growth is another type of cancer. Right. And that system that we're in right now is unhealthy. Yeah. So we need to go back to cycles, and it doesn't mean it's here, but it a spiral that goes up yeah. and we yeah. transcend with it and we need to go as you said back to um, recognizing the cycles to harvest to plant yeah. uh, cycles of calendar cycles of consumption mm. um, we're not telling you don't eat meat we're telling you eat meat when there's a special occasion mm. so we need mm. to bring back that consciousness mm -hmm. of um, really connecting with the cycles of the earth yeah. and when you disrespect um, when you disrespect the cycles, you're disrespecting indigenous cosmology and you're disrespecting the earth itself. Yeah. And, and for those of us who believe in a creator, it's a disrespect of our creator, That's right. right? Definitely. Absolutely. So I, I have to also ask, as a, as a parent, one of the things we get to do as parents is, is name our children. Yes. And uh, I know that, that Shie has a, a beautiful name with a lot of meaning layered into it and I was wondering if, if you might share that with us. <laughs> yeah, so when Xie was still in my womb, um, we were thinking with dad, what was your name going to be? And Xie came a lot. So Xie means soft rain, drizzling rain, soft the rain. rains that fall in September time when the corn is, is pretty much just, um, uh, you know, building up. Um, its content so that it will be really nice and, and, and you know juicy and um, when she was born she quickly showed us that she had so much energy that I mm. said okay why don't um, I look for a Celtic name because of my Celtic ancestry mm. so I found that Beara would be a good fit and Beara means the one who regulates the weather and it's actually a mermaid so the mermaids of the loch have this capacity to to regulate the weather and i said well that's beautiful because where you were born in the headwaters of the lerma river which is the longest river in mexico starting in Toluca valley or or zambata the valley of the moon this um, sacred river um, holds a mermaid as well mm. and she according to the Otomi Toltec Cosmovision is also the keeper of the weather uh -huh. Uh -huh. so I found that that connection was beautiful and that yeah she she was owning that name as well it's absolutely wonderful <laughs> and, and so fitting to, to the work that you're doing yeah. Yeah. you know this makes me think too that uh, we know uh, as we look back through the last few thousand years of the history of what we would call the civilized world that in many regions of the planet that civilization has left in its wake deserts 
desertification, right? We think of places like the Fertile Crescent, which is now an expanse of sandy desert by and large. And one of the great opportunities and imperatives we have right in front of us is this restoration, reforestation, yeah. afforestation work, uh, soil building work. Yeah. And one of the things that occurs as we help heal ecosystems, the water cycles kick in in such a way that the way the living trees and plants interact with water is actually affecting weather and bringing in more rainfall precipitation in places that would otherwise be arid if not outright desert. And uh, so I, I was wondering if you might speak to that a little bit, this connection with water and what that, what that means to you. So I'm sure you've heard it before, but water is life. And that is so true in so many ways. Um, water has, you know, it's immortal and it's always going to be here regardless of where we are here or not. Uh, but our duty is to protect that energy, the energy that water has and it flows, it's always flowing, it takes many shapes. Um, its chemical composition is also very, very pleasing. Its polarity is very interesting. And it's just such a special element that is just one of four elements that uh, are really part of everything. Mm. And without water, we have nothing. Yeah. And without fire, we have nothing. Without air, we have nothing. Without earth, we have nothing. So it's this balance of these four elements that are so special. And um, water is particularly the one that I connect with the most mm. because my name means rain and I believe in the, um, in the power of water to bring life, to make everything uh, be born again, yeah. uh, to that rebirth that we need. And the water cycle is also very interesting. And if you think about it, if we have a lot of heat, it's just a lot of water is going to evaporate and that's why we have a lot of rain. So it's essential to understand water in this sense of how helpful it can be to revitalize everything. But if we don't respect it, it can also be destructive. But, and that's why we need to go back into that balance of water being what it is meant to be, which is protection and nurturing. Absolutely beautiful. You know, uh, on one of our previous episodes, our friend Kimba Arem, who is a musician, uh, shared about a movie she created called Water that features all kinds of research that's been going on all around the world yes. and certain parts of the world where water has been even uh, further energized and charged than we find in other regions. Yes. And it gets into the the chemistry and even the geometry and the patterns of water as essentially a liquid crystal and it's in all of us right each of us is at least 70 percent water often with newborns and young children that can be as high as 90 percent water water has memory water is one of the ways we do our healing work with the biodynamic soil activation and, and stewardship work that we do water is essential and she ate the fact that your name means what it means it reminds me of my childhood in the pacific northwest with those those gentle soft mm. rains that would come through it's it's just wonderful and beautiful <laughs> thank you for sharing that so i, I want to ask also you know with the why on earth community the book why on earth we have a reference to gen y the millennial generation mm. which i actually missed myself by like four years mm -hmm. um and you're now talking about the combination of Gen Y and Gen Z. Mm. 
and it's such a powerful emerging uh, part of the demographic of the planet yeah. and of this country. And I'm wondering, could you just walk us through what, what do you mean, first of all, by Gen Z, Gen Y, and then what are some of these demographic statistics that we should all be aware of? So Gen Z is uh, my generation. I think it goes, it started in 1995 to 1999. And what's interesting is that most, we are the largest generation right now. And uh, by 2020, 37% of the voting population is going to be Gen Z and Gen Y, which is extremely powerful because we know that we need to get involved in that political uh, system in order for our future to be secured. And that's why I really advocate for our involvement in local policy, understanding of state policy, um, national policy, and always keeping in mind international agreements and international uh, relations. So we are gonna, we are the fastest growing generation and we're also going to be the largest group of um, individuals age-wise. Uh, which is also amazing because if you think about it, each child represents two parents mm. most of the time. Mm. So when you get a child into the movement and they talk to their parents, that is how it grows. And that's why this movement has grown very organically and that's why adults are so eager um, to help us because they understand that they, they could have, um, they had the opportunity to have children and really um, grow up, make like look at their children grow up and just the thought of their children not having that opportunity mm. must be yes. crazy. Yeah. And yeah. I know my mom wants to be a grandmother. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we are um, extremely powerful um, in a sense that we strike today, but we will vote tomorrow. Mm, we strike today and we vote tomorrow. I love that. Mm -hmm. So let me um, just remind our audience, this is the Why on Earth Communities Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series. And today we are speaking with Shie Bastida, and her mom, Geraldine, and uh, want to be sure to mention that uh, you can join all of this action through strikewithus.org and uh, be sure to check that out where you can enter your zip code to get the immediate resources in your area. Also, connect with Shie on her, uh, through Twitter, uh, Shie Bastida is her handle there, and on Instagram it's Shie uh, Bera, B-E-A-R-A, -A, and uh, We'll have this in the show notes as well, so you can get spellings, etc. there. And I also want to take the opportunity to thank all of our monthly giving members at the Why on Earth community who are helping make this series possible as well as all of our community mobilization work. Uh, we are now published as our community mobilization kit, so you can get that at the website along with all of our other resources. And if you have not yet joined the monthly giving program, you can do this at whyonearth.org. Just click on the donate button and you can choose any level that works best for you to give on a monthly basis. When you join, I'll send you a code so that you get free downloads of all of our ebook and audiobook resources. And in fact, you can share that code with your friends also. Uh, I would also like to thank uh, several of our sponsors who are helping support this work. And they include Patagonia, Madeira Outdoor, Waylay Waters, Earth Coast Productions, Purium, 
the International Society of Sustainability Professionals, the Association of Waldorf Schools of North America, and the Lidge Family Foundation. Thank you all so much for your support, and it is so exciting to be collaborating and mobilizing with you. Uh, frankly, we're all just getting started. This is a climate emergency. It is imperative that we act. The amazing secret to all of this is the more we act, the higher our own qualities of life become. Our own relationships, our own health, our own well-being is enhanced as a result of doing this important work. And uh, with that in mind, I'd, I'd like to ask, perhaps it's a bit more of a spiritual question, what do you think is happening on the planet right now for our species? What do you think it is that we're going through? So I think that we are on a spiritual level that is, it's about learning and it's mm. about making the right choice. It's about choosing morality over greed, personal power. Mm. And it goes back to choosing planet over profit, choose the future over profit. And that has been said over and over. But what we need to realize is that all of this is um, a challenge for humanity and a challenge for ourselves into what is the right thing to do. Um, and the right thing to do is, you know, so abstract. But right now mm. it's becoming so clear. Uh, and it's our opportunity to take that chance of, do, of doing um, it required a very big challenge for all, for all of us to come together mm. um, and it's extremely devastating that this is happening but we can we have to look at it from the best perspective possible and think this is our opportunity to build a global community mm, mm, mm. Um, and relationships have been fractured for centuries now yes. and now I'm seeing all types of different people come together um, in the religious spectrum and the generational spectrum and racial ethnicity mm. and everything is really coming together in a way that I don't think a lot of people have seen before um, and we are even realizing our relationship with the earth and animals and you know why did it take us so long it's because we're interested in saving ourselves mm. Mm. and that is we have to move past that and realize that this is also an ecological crisis and species millions of one i don't know it's like one million species are dying every day it's, i think it's 200 species are dying every day um and species that we have not even seen so this is really an awakening for all of us yes um a spiritual awakening a, a creative awakening because Right now, we just need to be creative and we need to be active. We need to be connected. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and it, it reminds me that in so many of our indigenous and traditional cultures, the role of the human being on this planet is to be the steward in, in a stewardship relationship to our places. And uh, my sense is that more and more of us are, are reawakening to that role and reclaiming that role and we have to there's an imperative to doing so right um, it's beautiful from my perspective that that's part of what we get to experience in our lifetime that this is happening all around the world 
And, and Geraldine, I want to ask you the same question from your perspective. Again, as mom and having been engaged in this kind of work for many years, mm -hmm. what do you think is happening on the planet right now? Well, um, I can tell you from the teachings that the elders left, you know, the Otomi and the Maya saw this period of crisis mm -hmm. and of awakening happening. They, um, and it's, it's fascinating how it's completely inserted in this uh, 26,000 year cycle Yep. and within that there's five equal cycles of 5,200 years and within that there's each of the 5,200 year cycles there's 10 cycles of 520 years so how precise can can it be that the Otomi Toltec left on stone a date which was 13, year 13 read, which was 1492. Yes? Wow. Mm -hmm. When uh, from, the, from Europe there is the first contact with this continent. And, uh, and they had seen already that this 10th cycle, this 520, um, years into the future would be really, really critical, uh, would be um, the clashing of cultures and of cosmovisions would be really tough um, and that it would require so much suffering to, to interact in a, in a way whereby there could be mutual understanding and dialogue and yes indeed we have come into 2012 uh, which was the completion of the 520 year cycle and um, even the last 52 years were critical mm -hmm. even according to very old um, Shinto traditions from Japan they have the same calculation mm. of, of this last 52 years. It's incredible. And now they say that, yes, we are coming into this intercultural dialogue, this um, dialogue and, and unification process where all religions can talk to each other and acknowledge each other and connect with each other's belief systems in a peaceful way, in a constructive way understanding that we're all, you know, in this co-evolution um, whereby um, um, we are just in this flow of creation and of renewal of the creation processes. Mm -hmm. And um, what we were told according to what's written on stone and written on, on these beautiful Codices, we call them, like painted ancient books in, in central Mexico, is that we would still need to go through a phase of 13 years mm, after mm. 2012. So that makes so it 2025? 2025, 2026, which would be the final shedding yeah. of what we don't need, what we, we would really come to realize, like you're saying, she, yeah, you know, prioritize. Yeah. Um, and have a very clear criteria of 
what we need to um, emerge into, you know, come into being, that we'll, we will feel lighter when we shed from what we don't need, when we detoxify ourselves from what has been keeping us, you know, stagnant and um, with unclear vision. So we are in the middle of those 13 years right now and it's really a pivotal time where we have, like she says, the last 18 months for, for that awakening and shifting um, moment and, and take that risk and come out of that comfort zone and really say, okay, enough is enough and, and I will do all that I am responsible for doing because um, according to the cosmovision of, of uh, indigenous peoples more than gifts we're born into the world with responsibilities and so it's it's clear we are here to take care of life in every of, of her forms in every of her expressions and and I just want to say here that why on earth, you know, the awakening that you've had and, mm. and the agency that you have and, and how um, so many are joining you and, and, and thank you for the opportunity for Xiyet to come more into your world and vision. You know, it's, it's, it's so comforting to the spirit that you're doing this regenerative work mm. in this teaching mm -hmm. so yes thank we want to acknowledge that yeah. thank you thank yes. you yeah there's a lot of healing involved in this work that we're doing and uh, that's inside that's in the world and um, my hope and prayer for each of us is that we engage in that healing work even more deeply even when it's uncomfortable yeah and we're pushing through some of that discomfort it's so important yeah and I love the message around the responsibilities. And, and for many of us, we, we think in terms of the gifts that we've been given and to recognize those as responsibilities, I, I think it's such a beautiful key yes. to opening the door. Yes, yeah, that's your dad's wisdom coming through. Yeah. Mindahi mm. Bastida, yeah. Beautiful. Well, thanks yeah. to you both. And uh, before we sign off for, for the moment, <laughs> I want to just reiterate, September 20th is a massive event worldwide. Engage with it. Go to strikewithus.org to connect with what's happening in your area. Check out the amazing video that Chie and her team created that we are going to have on the, the Why on Earth blog page. And uh, it's just a beautiful piece. In fact, uh, the music on that is by Compton Kids, right? Yeah. And let's just, we have to, we have to chat about them for just a yeah. minute, right? Before yeah. we sign off. You know, they're, they're amazing. They're, um, the, the purpose of the anthem, which is called Stand Up, is to bring together the youth movements that mm -hmm. have been going on for the past five years, 10 years. So we're bringing together, um, um, Black Lives Matter, gun control, like enough is enough, the climate movement. Uh, we're really bringing it all together to show that we understand that all of these issues are uh, interconnected and that we are 20% of the present, but we are 100% of the future. 
20% of the present, 100% of the future. This reminds me, you know, many of our traditions speak of seven generations and speak about making our decisions with that responsibility with the next seven generations in mind. And I remember for years and years, I'm part Mohawk actually in the, yeah. from the Iroquois League, and I remember for years feeling, my gosh, seven, I mean, great number, but pretty abstract. <laughs> and then I realized, wait a minute, because I had met my great grandmother. Yes. And if I am so fortunate to meet any great grandchildren, that's right. That you're is about here. that is a span of seven. Yes. Yes. You're about here, and you've met them three, and you've met these three. Yes. Yes. That's how. Yes. <laughs> yes. That consciousness, then that wisdom. Yes. It's so, right on spot. A hundred percent of the future, and. Geraldine, you and I are in, in the middle of that. Yes. I, I want to give you the opportunity to make a, a, a final statement or message to our audience before we sign off. And then, and then we'll give Xie the mm -hmm. last word <laughs> as we're uh, moving forward on that beautiful progression of seven generations. Yes. Yes. So everyone listening here, remember that you all have ancestors. And that ancestors pretty much, you know, the, the one here, if you're around here or here, um, was with all these roots, with all these, this wisdom that we um, relate to indigenous peoples. So um, please uh, do your homework and look for those roots and find with, with dignity, find the wisdom that your ancestors were carrying and bring it forth into your current way of living you know reconnect with that memory because truthfully um, as simple as it might sound to look at the moon when you are you know in the season of planting or sowing or or harvesting um, it's that kind of simple teaching that will feed your spirit so much and and uh, really ensure that we participate in the reharmonizing and the regenerating of mother earth mm, beautiful thank you and she either so what i want to say is that we all have the responsibility and the, the liberty thankfully to make our voices heard and everyone's story is so important uh, to bring into the movement. And just doing something for what you care about is being an activist. And we should all be activists in this time and age. Um, and really recognize that whatever you care about, whatever your skills are, you have, um, you, you possess the creativity to be part of the movement in a constructive way. Uh, recognize that this is intergenerational, this is, this is political, this is about racial equality, this is about um, transportation, energy grid, this is about everything. And so really anything that speaks to you, you can use it to speak to everybody else. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you both for taking on the responsibility of speaking and of sharing your messages uh, in general to the world and to specifically today with our Why on Earth community. 
it's a, a real pleasure and honor to have you on the show. So thank you well, both. Thank you very thank much. You so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The Why on Earth Community Stewardship and Sustainability podcast series is hosted by Aaron William Perry, author, thought leader, and executive consultant. The podcast and video recordings are made possible by the generous support of people like you. To sign up as a daily, weekly, or monthly supporter, please visit whyonearth.org backslash support. Support packages start at just $1 per month. The podcast series is also sponsored by several corporate and organization sponsors. You can get discounts on their products and services using the code whyonearth, all one word with a Y. These sponsors are listed on the whyonearth.org backslash support page. If you found this particular podcast episode especially insightful, informative, or inspiring, please pass it on and share it with a friend whom you think will also enjoy it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your support. And thank you for being a part of the Why on Earth community.